So I want to talk to you all a bit about BetterHelp. As a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere, especially those who may not have access to it otherwise. There's so many places in the U.S. and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling services. And let's be honest, if you live in a more rural area, you may not even know a counselor or maybe there isn't one in your area. Maybe you just don't really have a support system around you who understands mental health and you really just want to talk to someone. This is why I love BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are so many different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas on BetterHelp, whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, are having relationship issues, maybe you're having panic attacks or you're having work stress. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log into your account at any time, contact your therapist directly, and the therapists are available with thoughtful responses at any time, and you can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you'd like. Now, as a therapist, I know it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs the very first time. So the awesome thing about BetterHelp is it's made it so easy to facilitate a therapeutic match that's right for you. But if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. And there's also financial aid available to anyone who's looking for payment options. There was one woman that actually slid into my DMs the other day, just thanking me so much for telling her about BetterHelp and the code that I have, which I'll give you in a second. And here's what she said about her counselor. She wrote, I love my BetterHelp therapist. I wish everyone I knew could get support they need from her. She consistently provides great insights, shares helpful tools, and validates my feelings and experiences in a way that has helped me heal and improve my life in a tangible way. She's responsive, kind, and engaging, everything you would hope a therapist would be. I mean, how amazing does that sound? So anyway, I have a special offer for all of you. Sign up with BetterHelp today and receive 10% off your first month of therapy. Just visit betterhelp.com slash anxiety healer. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash anxiety healer and start your healing journey today. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through. While giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. This is Allison Sepinara. I am solo today. It is the week after Thanksgiving and um, Taylor is okay. There's just some things going on with um, her family that she needs to tend to. Um, It's okay and she'll probably talk about it, but I knew I wanted to come on this week um, 
myself because I've been struggling and I've been okay. Guys, if you've been listening for a while, you've been with me through this journey. And as we know, healing isn't linear and healing anxiety and mental health is a lifelong journey. Um, But things happen in life that are challenging. Um, As you get older, relationships get more difficult Um, but they also get more loving as well, but you start handling different parts of your life as you get older, um, the best way you know how, because things get a lot harder. You start losing people you love. Um, you have to start thinking about financial things in your life and relationships. And then if you have kids, that's a whole nother layer of anxiety and it's, this whole, gosh, I am just trying to find the words to say how difficult it is because if you're listening, I'm sure you're um, thinking like, yes, as you get older, just things get more real is what I'm trying to say, right? Like the reality starts to set in of really what it takes to feel balanced and feel um, just regulated in your everyday life. Uh, especially if you have a family and if you have kids. Now, I don't have either of those. I mean, I do have family that I love and friends that I love, but I don't have kids and I'm not married. Um, those are other stressors for me as a, you know, I get older in learning how to navigate life without those things, hoping that I do have them one day. But in my work with children and my really close bond I have with my niece and nephew um, and just really identifying um, the challenges that come along with having children. I totally can empathize with that. And while I might not have them, I understand children sometimes more than I understand adults, to be honest. Um, I think mostly because kids are so raw. A lot of times they just tell you how it is. Um, Even though they might not have the language for emotion, sometimes they can tell you the truth a lot of times. Um, and it's actually refreshing, but when it comes to emotions, it's just, it's hard when you're little to know how to express them. And it's hard when you're older to know how to express them, which, which is kind of what keeps the cycle going because there's a lot of people that weren't taught how to express their emotions when they were little because their parents weren't taught by their parents and then their parents weren't taught by their parents. So it's a very big cycle. Um, that keeps happening, this kind of systemic thing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today on how to kind of break the cycle of that. And also just to recognize that, you know, getting older is difficult. And, you know, if you think about the innocence of children, I don't even feel like I was faced with my own mortality or the concept of mortality until I was in my 30s. Um, when I started kind of getting older and recognizing that my people I love around me were going to die, especially my parents at some point in my lifetime. You know, you hope that it goes that way, maybe not the other way, but that my parents are 
not going to live forever. I'm not going to live forever. No, anyone I love around me is not going to live forever. That death, death is inevitable. And I think ultimately that is a huge fear for a lot of people. And we do have an episode on death anxiety. Um, it's one of our top 10 episodes. I think um, if you go back to kind of like the beginning of this podcast, we're probably going to do an update soon, but um, death anxiety is a huge fear for so many people. Um, and so I think that just recognizing that there are just a lot of challenges that come with the aging process. Um, and, you know, as I, I was going through something this week, um, this isn't necessarily about getting older, but it is cause you know, I have a niece and, um, people around me have kids and, you know, time doesn't stop, but from from the lens of myself that has anxiety and recognizes totally what it looks like now when I was little and the things that I struggled with and what I could have used help with is just something that I think about a lot when I think about um, my niece because she struggles and she's had a pretty rough rough week this week and the things that are hard for her are really just like transitions back to school after long weekends and some social environment things such as you know really just wanting to make sure she doesn't say the wrong thing or feeling embarrassed if she's you know going to get upset in front of people um just a lot of like rumination about what other people are thinking and judging her i mean gosh, this, everything she struggles with is so what I used to struggle with. And so I identify with her so much. And it's just been, it's just been so hard to see that um, in a child. And I relate to it so much that it almost is like very triggering for me, even though all I want to do is take her, her pain away. I just want to take her anxiety away. And I can't imagine what it's like for parents that have children that struggle with a mental health or physical health, any kind of health issue or just their pain and wanting to just do something to make sure that they feel happy and they feel, they don't feel that pain anymore. Um, because it's been, it's been so hard to see her struggle. Um, I've witnessed now multiple panic attacks that she's had and, um, you know, on the other side of it now, like seeing on the other side of it, and thinking, oh my gosh, I've been there. I've been there, you know, with the crying and the feeling like you're going to die and all of the stomach aches and the heavy breathing and shallow breathing and just feeling like you're not going to survive it and just wanting to somehow get into the, her brain and help her recognize that she is going to be okay, even though she doesn't believe me in that moment. It's been, um, it's been so eye-opening for me to experience this intensity that she has with her own anxiety at just a young age of 10 years old. And what's so interesting is that these panic attacks are so real that she experiences and they look so similar across the board for a lot of people, no matter what age you are, just these physical symptoms that happen. And the fact that there's really nothing anyone can say or do in those moments when we're at like a level seven, eight, nine. There's like nothing anyone can say or do that is going to take that fear that we have away. We kind of just need to let it pass when it gets to that bad, right? 
Um, and I, you know, in the practice that I've done in my, on my own healing, I have actually found certain types of strategies that do work in helping to like shock myself back into the present moment when I'm like that. Cause sometimes you get really disassociated, right? Just derealization, depersonalization. We've talked about that so much when you feel like you're outside your body or like things around you aren't real. There are different exercises and things you can do to shock yourself back into the present moment, which I think is honestly for me, the only thing that works. And for a lot of people, those are like the only things that work when you're really in a deep panic attack. So for example, like, um, going like cold temperatures. So like taking ice and putting ice on your neck or taking a cold water bottle and sipping cold water, putting your face in cold water. Or um, if it's really cold outside, like going outside with just a tank top on or putting your feet on the ground outside and walking barefoot. Um, Also like grounding yourself by using your senses to describe what's around you, maybe feeling certain things and touching different things, moving your body, like changing your environment for me. So like getting out of where my space of where I am and like walking to a different space can help bring me back into the moment. So I've been actually trying to help teacher some of these things and It's so interesting from this perspective of me working on this for how many years now of my life, like 10, 20, 30 years just learning about anxiety and what helps regulate the body. And she's new at this. She's just learning about herself and she's just learning about what anxiety is and what it means and what helps her get through these things. So, you know, what's so interesting is like when you're in that deep panic attack, you're literally not listening to anyone, like I said, right? So I'm trying to teach her, you know, the one thing that did help her, which really helps people too in the middle of it is if you can connect the importance of breathing and if someone is, you know, next to you helping you through that or you're watching a video where you don't have to think, you can just know you have to follow a certain breathing pattern. Um, So I taught her like the box breathing, which is breathing in for four, holding your breath for four seconds, breathing out for four seconds, and then holding your breath for four seconds again. And we did that together on the phone when she was really struggling. And that really, really helped her um, because slowing your breathing is really going to help. She was crying a lot and slowing your breathing is really going to help activate that parasympathetic state. And so it's really slowing your breathing is what's really important, not necessarily how deep you go, but it's slowing it down. And and more effectively, you want to try and breathe in for, for a certain number of seconds and then breathe out for a longer number of seconds. The exhalation should be longer. Um, but the holding your breath also helps too. It just, it can really help create that, um, that calmer state. So I, um, so, you know, it was, it was really interesting just to see the perspective of someone that's learning about anxiety, that this is new. I feel like everyone knows the same information I know because I just have been studying it for so long and practicing it for so long, but she really hasn't. You know, she's new at this. And so if you're listening to this, and guess what? There's a lot of adults that are new at this too, not just kids. If you do have kids, I would really encourage you to start these practices with them at a young age. I mean, as young as they can talk and speak and practice this with you. Um, Because the earlier that 
you can do this, the, the younger you can practice and learn these things, then you'll be very much more equipped when, as you, as you get older. And so this is what I'm hoping for my niece, um, because I didn't learn a lot of this until I was in my thirties, late twenties, early thirties about anxiety. And some of you, maybe this is your first podcast you're listening to. So hello and welcome and be proud of yourself that you're starting to gain more awareness about what anxiety is and what it might look like for you. And what your toolkit might consist of and how you you just have to remember that a lot of this healing is trial and error. Um, you know, finding the right therapist can be so effective, but even then doing the practice on your own in between sessions is really what's going to contribute to your healing. Um, having having someone guide you through the cognitive behavioral exercises and teaching you about the brain and and learning how to challenge those thoughts that are really intrusive, they're gonna, that's going to be so helpful. But really doing this work and practicing what you can practice, whether it's the strategies and the cognitive exercises, what's going to be so important is really doing that outside of therapy. So learning how that looks for you. And like I said before, life is going to, we're going to face challenges as we get older. It's what happens in life. We're going to face more and more challenges which means that this healing process for us needs to be something that we implement into our everyday life so we are prepared for some of these challenges. We might never be prepared for some things that come our way, but our our regulation in our nervous system and the way that we do respond to certain adversity can feel much more regulated if we practice these things and we're aware of ourselves and we're aware of our emotions. We're able to increase our emotional vocabulary. So one thing that I really encourage my niece to do and when I work with kids in my practice is learn about feeling words. Learn about using I statements like I feel sad, I feel scared, and really use feeling words. So that might mean printing out a list of feeling words from um, the internet. There's a bunch of feeling words match with feeling faces, and you can practice this. I would encourage you with your child to do that, or if you don't have kids or you you want to expand your emotional vocabulary as an adult, you do the same thing. Print out a list of feeling words, and when you're feeling uncomfortable, when something's happening to your body and you just know something is uncomfortable, tap into what emotion is happening for you. Go to that list of feeling words. Ask yourself, what is it that I'm actually feeling right now? Am I scared? Am I lonely? Am I frustrated? Am I angry? Am I sad? Um, am I feeling rejected? Am I feeling jealous? Am I feeling nervous? Um, what are the emotions? And there's always more than one that can come up. I mean, there could be one. There could be more than one. You know, emotions can happen at the same time. Um, but getting very comfortable with how to really use how to really communicate how you're feeling using feeling words is going to be a huge piece for yourself and for other people to know and really understand what you're going through. Um, knowing more about what emotions are going on at that moment for you is going to be so helpful in knowing what thoughts are connected to that. So you might say something, if you're trying to understand more about what you're thinking, say you're feeling sad. And you're like, okay, I feel sad. You know you feel sad, right? You got that feeling word. That's connected to something you're thinking about. 
So you might want to ask yourself, I feel sad right now because I'm thinking blank. And you complete that sentence. And once you know, I feel sad because I'm thinking about my dad who died. And I'm thinking about how scared I am that I'm going to die one day. Right? Like, I'm just thinking, like, these are thoughts I've had in the last, like, since my dad died and every other day, it seems like. Um, And so, you know, when it comes to cognitive behavioral therapy, it's a very classic CBT question where you say, okay, well, what were you thinking? So then you can start identifying what you're thinking and kind of challenging those thoughts and saying, you know, it's totally okay to be scared. You can you're you're someone close to you that you love died and it's okay to be scared it's okay to be sad allow yourself to cry and those are all things that I tell myself now I kind of nurture myself through because you know a lot of times I have different voices in my head that go oh my gosh you're still sad about that that happened so long ago you can't cry right now oh my gosh if you cry you're so weak people are going to think you're so weird if you start crying what's wrong with you um yeah, you're, you should be scared. You know, you're going to die one day. That's like so crazy and scary. I can't believe like you should keep thinking about how you can keep that from happening. And then all that stuff is leads me to my health anxiety spirals. So <laughs> my point is, you know, we have thousands and thousands of thoughts every day. Doesn't make them true. Um, thoughts are com- connected to emotions we have right? So what we think really influences the way we feel and what we tell ourselves really influences the way we feel. So I've been working a lot with my niece on helping her challenge some of the thoughts she has. Um, one, One statement that I think is really, really helpful is when we're feeling any bodily sensations or we're feeling really scared to recognize that we can feel scared, but we can also be safe where we are. We're allowed to feel scared of certain things, but knowing the difference between whether we're really in danger or not in danger is going to be a huge piece of healing anxiety. So being able to recognize that, you know, I can feel scared, I can feel worried, I can feel nervous, and I can feel those things because they're totally valid, normal, common feelings, but that doesn't mean that something dangerous is happening to me. The anxiety fires signals at your brain that makes you think that you're in danger and that you're not safe. And you really are. And so that is something I try and repeat over and over again to my niece and try and say in those moments, I know your body is experiencing these symptoms, but you're safe right now and nothing bad is happening to you right now. And kind of repeating that. And it helps sometimes. She's still learning, just like all of us. (laughs) Um, And and just really kind of trying to reframe and practice that. So I don't really even know what the, oh, I was going to talk about cycle breaking, which I still do want to. I was trying to think, what am I going to talk about today? And honestly, I just wanted to make it more about being able to relate to people and each other and me and you and just feeling, hoping this makes you feel less alone Um, because having anxiety can feel really lonely sometimes, you know? Um, and I just, I think that part of my message for today too, is just to recognize that if you're struggling with mental health, there's always time for you to start learning how to help yourself. It doesn't matter how old you are, but if you are a parent and you're listening to this, even if you feel like, you know, 
things are pretty good in, in your house and your kids are, they're pretty emotionally intelligent, which is amazing. Have continue to have these open conversations about emotions, start practicing um, emotional awareness with your children and yourself. Make sure you get the help that you need along with your kids. Um, don't just, you know, when your child's having certain behaviors or emotions, don't think that you can just kind of drop them off at a therapist and then like go and have lunch for an hour and come back. Really working and helping children um, with their mental health is is working with the family system. It's not just the child. So whatever type of help you can get and whatever awareness that you can um, really work on for yourself is going to be a huge step in the right direction for the healing process. Um, and that's part of breaking the cycle, right? Like I think there's a lot of people that, of course, they were taught something when they were little. Um, you know, there's still a stigma with therapy, especially for men. Um, no, like, don't be, don't cry. You're going to look weak. You know, that's the biggest thing I hear all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why are you crying? I mean, if you, if you think about it, think about the last time you cried or someone, you know, cried around you. Everyone always says they're sorry. It's like the first thing that comes out of their mouth. I'm so hyper vigilant to it now because it's something that I'm so aware of that I do where you start crying. And if someone's around you, you say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You apologize for just showing your emotion. And to be completely honest, I try not to do that anymore because there's no reason anyone should be sorry for crying. It's probably the healthiest thing you can do. And to be completely honest, when someone's crying around you, the best thing you can do is to just be next to them and hold space with them while they're feeling what they're feeling and not try and fix it. So don't try and just stop them from crying. Definitely don't say, stop. No, it's okay. Oh my God, don't cry. Do not say that. Sit next to them. Sometimes you don't even need to say anything. And maybe if they're comfortable with you touching them, like hugging them or something, you just hug them and you say to them, is there anything I can do for you right now? What, what do you need? But honestly, just give them the space to cry. Don't even say anything. Sometimes maybe it's okay just to say, I'm right here with you. You're safe here. You're okay right now. I'll be here for as long as you need me to. And sometimes I even think to myself, like, that's some good stuff to say to myself, you know, when I'm feeling really scared or I'm crying and, you know, I'm thinking about my dad or something. And, you know, sometimes I just... I have to say those things to myself, like, you'll be okay. I'm here with you. And you just, it, it's just, it can be really helpful just to hold space with someone who's crying. I know I'm going off on a tangent, sorry. But but all of that is part of breaking cycles. So when you think about like the crying piece, a lot of times with people that are so uncomfortable with crying, it almost is because they weren't really given the opportunity to feel okay doing it when they were growing up. So maybe there was a family dynamic or someone in their family that was not comfortable with tears or not comfortable with emotions. And so everything was like, oh my gosh, you're fine. Stop. You're fine. Or, oh, what are you doing? Don't cry. Like something very invalidating. And so 
that is basically, you know, a reason why maybe you would feel very uncomfortable doing that now. Um, again, it's if that was your caregivers or your parents that said that stuff to you, it's not, I don't want you to just be, you know, get off of this and call them and yell at them and be angry with them. Of course, that maybe you're, you're sad that, that there wasn't more emotional intelligence in your house. But the fact is you have to remember that your parents did the best that they knew what to do with the caregiver, the caring care that they got from their parents. So it's a very systemic. So a lot of the family dynamic that did not have a lot of open dialogue or conversation about feelings was because they didn't have the your, the parents there didn't have their parents to teach them about feeling and emotional awareness. So here's where we're going to start with breaking the cycle. To break that cycle is to learn how to openly express yourself and to teach people around you, whether it's your kids or your partner, um, anyone around you, that it's okay to open openly express themselves and openly talk about emotions. And that might mean you starting to talk openly more about your own emotions and your own feelings. I think that being able to, you know, talk about some emotional wounds, talk about some um, emotions you're having about different parts of your life with people you love in front of children, in front of your family is going to be something that's going to be incredibly healing for you because you know, you can't control whether they're going to validate you or listen to you, but everyone deserves to be able to share their emotions. And so I would encourage you to try and do that. And really going to therapy is going to really help break that cycle too. Um, learning new coping skills when you're faced with adversity, um, being open to being vulnerable in front of somebody. Some people will say, oh my gosh, am I going to tell a stranger all of my stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, that's actually the healing part of it is you're going to someone who's objective, who's going to be completely non-judgmental, who's going to really hear your side and you have that space to actually really talk about yourself and talk about the things in your life that maybe no one else around you have really given you that time before. And so that can be incredible. And it can also be helpful in learning, you know, what types of dynamics are healthy and unhealthy for different families and different relationships, right? Like maybe that's a cycle you want to break. There's been only toxic relationships in your family and in your, you know, that you've been around in your friendship groups or there's just like toxic relationships everywhere. Maybe you really want to learn how to have a healthy one. All that begins with this. You got to break the cycle somewhere, you know, sometimes calling out. And not accepting the toxic behavior too is something that is cycle breaking. You're not going to get the best responses from people sometimes, right? That's like when you're setting boundaries, it's the same thing. Sometimes you're not always going to get the best reaction from people. And that's the reason you're setting the boundary with them in the first place. But it's kind of the same with, with cycle breaking, you know, calling out some behaviors and not accepting some behaviors that people might my, the way people might treat you is going to be incredibly healing for you and incredibly effective when it comes to breaking a cycle. It's like standing up for yourself, right? 
The other piece of this that I really want you to remember when you're trying to break cycles here is to learn how to really be kind to yourself and love yourself wholeheartedly and really learn how to speak to yourself in a compassionate way. Um, I was just talking to a client about this today and how there's so many of us with anxiety that just don't feel like we're worth anything. We feel like we just aren't worthy and we're searching and searching for something external to make us worth something, whether it's relationships or job um, or like, um, like the way that we look, like going to the gym, like all these other things externally that we're trying to do, quote unquote, perfectly um, or try to attain and to make us feel worth something when in reality – we need to find this this worth inside of us internally and we need to recognize that we are so enough and we are so worth something without the need of anyone else telling us that or any other external factor giving us that validation. We need to validate ourselves. And so you're going to really have to learn how to really love who you are. We have so many different episodes about self-love. I talk about it all the time. Something that is one of the most effective exercises when it comes to learning how to really love who you are is inner child work. Um, being able to really talk to your inner child and nurture that inner child and also mirror work is amazing. Being able to look in the mirror and just tell, talk to yourself and let yourself know how incredible you are and saying things to yourself while you look at yourself to help you believe that you are beautiful the way you are, you are enough the way you are. Um, that and and all of these affirmations are going to be so key in helping you start to rewire the brain and also create new neural pathways that help you recognize your own self worth. Um, the way you talk to yourself is going to be huge with that, and I'm talking like every day, like for the rest of your life. You need to talk to yourself. You need to wake up and you need to talk to yourself, nurturing. You almost need to like reparent yourself, talk to yourself like you would have, you know, you want someone to nurture you. So you say to yourself every day, you are incredible. You woke up today. You're doing the best that you can. You're going to make mistakes, but that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're damaged. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Okay, you struggle with anxiety. Maybe you have some other mental health issues. Look at everything that you're doing to try and help yourself. Nobody is perfect. No one is perfect. You are just, you are incredible just as you are. And everything that you work for and that you work on every day is something to be so proud of. I was just thinking of all of those things, saying that to myself as I do this podcast. I'm getting choked up because I really need to say those things <clears throat> more often to myself. I really do every day kind of really have this internal dialogue that's different now with myself every day. Um, sometimes I go into this like shame spiral about stuff with food. I mean, I talk about disordered eating a couple episodes ago and myself, but when it comes down to it, I really do feel like I am enough as I am and I have all of you guys to thank for that and this platform because I think sharing my story on Instagram and sharing and having a bunch of people that just know and can relate to what I've been through 
is more therapeutic for me than maybe it is even for you guys, honestly. So I just want to thank you all so much for listening and continuing to show up every day and just put yourself out there and come to my page and comment and really be aware of who you are and do this work because it is hard work. It is really hard work, all of this. It can be exhausting. Um, But just know if like there's a cycle that you were stuck in, you can break the cycle. You're doing it already by listening to this podcast, to be honest. So I'm so proud of you anyway. So I hope this episode was helpful. I'm not even really sure what I'm going to title it, but (laughs) Um, anyway. Taylor will be back next week. I think we have our Q&A episode. Um, Follow me. Subscribe. Please leave me a five-star review if you haven't done so yet on Spotify or Apple. It really helps push our podcast out there, and I think there would just be a lot of people that could benefit from it. So we'd really appreciate it if you can. Um, And go by the Anxiety Healer's Guide. I share so much more about my story in there and also all of the awesome cognitive behavioral tools that have helped me create my healing toolkit in my journey. So I love you all. Talk to you later. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.